Welcome everyone to another episode of the Snap Fitness Maitland podcast. I hope you're having a great day. I am Cameron Russell, the owner of Snap Fitness Maitland. On today's podcast, we have Jen Parker. She's the new gym manager taking over from Demi and she's also a nutritionist. So we get in depth with Jen's own journey into nutrition, her whole background, her whole story, uh, and also setting some goals and, and achieving it, but not achieving it the way you like. Uh, if you like and enjoy this episode of this podcast, please share it with your friends, take a screenshot of us, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, rate and review it. That would be greatly appreciated. Let's dive right in. I hope you enjoy. Three, two, one, we're live. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. So guys, we've got Jen Parker here. Uh, she's a nutritionist and she's also the new gym manager. Indeed, I am. Thanks for having me. We also have... Demi, the old gym manager. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, Jen. How are you? Well, thanks, Demi. What did you have for breakfast this morning, Jen? Porridge. Delicious. Okay, so let's start on breakfast. Good start, Dem. Off to a flyer. Um, speaking of breakfast, I had a smoothie. Why nice. porridge, Jen? Why porridge? Being a nutritionist and all? Well, actually, it was an emotional decision. I haven't had it in a while and I just am craving more winter foods because I've been eating lots of summer foods. So, I just like porridge. So, Jen, I want to touch base. Probably about 9.15 this morning, we did our uh, quick whip around staff meeting. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, all the staff come in and we do a quick gratitude. So, it's something we're grateful for. Jen, do you want to share what you're grateful for this morning? Okie dokie. Um, on the weekend, my husband asked me if we wanted to go out for breakfast, which I thought was an odd decision because we were due to be at a party a few hours later in Maitland. But anyway, we drove off into Newcastle and he was acting a bit weird, maybe a little bit excited. So I called him on it and said, what's going on? And he said nothing. He was up to nothing. Get to Newcastle and we pull into a Mazda dealership and he had bought me a new car, which made me cry a lot and get super excited. And that was what I was grateful for this morning. Awesome, Jen. New car, <laughs> new wheels. That's very exciting. I believe it was actually an early birthday present. Yes. Birthday coming up this yes, next week. Birthday next week. So awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, speaking of birthdays, maybe we rewind a lot. Um <laughs> but not too much. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, go back. Let, yeah, let, let's go back to your childhood. Where'd you grow up? Cool. Where'd you start your life? Where'd you go to school? Tell us a bit about your family and yeah, how you sure. got to where you are. Um, so I was born in England um, and I grew up in just a little village outside of Cambridge um, on a farm called Apple Tree Farm. And yeah, it was kind of pretty idyllic, I guess. Um, we used to just spend a lot of time outside. I was super into horses. Um, yeah. Did you ride horses? Yeah. I totally rode horses. <laughs> I competed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Did you guys have apples on your farm? 
we indeed had lots of apples. So I could just ride my horse around and pick apples as I went past and eat them and blackberries and blueberries and all sorts. It was really nice. Awesome. Hmm. So how did you get from England all the way over to Maitland, Australia? Mm. So when I was 14, my parents had decided that they wanted to leave England. My dad's a farmer and my mum's a chef and they just thought that there would be Um, better opportunities for themselves and for us, me and my brother. So we actually applied for a citizenship to Canada and one to Australia. And then it was kind of just like the race for which one came through first. And we ended up, yeah, on the shores of Australia. And I moved to Brankston and went to Singo High. Oh, (laughs) that's pretty cool. So you've got a brother, like younger or older? 18 months younger. Yeah. Awesome. And so you've stayed in Maitland all your life since school. Like how did you find school? What were your hobbies? What did you do after yeah. school? Um, I guess school is different um, being that coming from England, the school system there is quite different. So um, it was an adjustment. I only did three years of school here. So it was definitely tricky to kind of fit in and I'm not sporty and you Aussies are super sporty. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't – you. Um, left, did you finish year 12 or? Yes, yeah, finished cool. year 12 and then I moved out of home when I was 19 to Newcastle and went to uni and met Bryce, my husband. Well, as simple as that. You just went know. to uni and then next minute met Bryce. <laughs> Seems too easy. <laughs> I feel like there's a bit in the middle you're not telling us, Jen. <laughs> Fill us in. What happened in the middle? Um, so Cam asked me before we started if there was anything off limits. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess there was those party years where um, I first moved out of home and was running amok and that was lots of fun. But, um, I mean, I met Bryce when I was 20, so just turned 20, and I moved out of ha- home when I was 19. So there was really only 12 months of running amok before I became very mature and so how did you meet him um i was dancing with a girlfriend at the brewery in newcastle and he came over to me (laughs) and said you're gorgeous and i said you're obviously really drunk because who goes up to a stranger and says that (laughs) and then he's like i'm not no i'm not i just like come and talk to me and i'm not and i was like righto so we went up to the bar and i ordered a water so i was playing pretty hardcore and then um yeah we just we actually stayed up all night and watched the sun come up i pretty much fell in love straight away i was a massive sook and uh yeah that ends that's the end of that (laughs) Nice. So now married yes. and a couple of kids. Yes, two uh, kids. Hang on just one sec. Demi's wants to ask a question. Yeah, so I wanted to just ask a question because Jen told me a funny story about before she got married of a little like story that Bryce was a bit spontaneous and she thought she was going to get engaged. Can you just elaborate on that one, Jen? <laughs> Yeah, so Bryce used to be in the Defence Force and would go off on deployment and he'd been away for quite a while um, and then he had a backup um, trip to Singapore. So it was a Thursday night or a Friday night he rang me and um, I thought he was being really romantic. He's like, I've booked you flights, the money's in your account, you just need to like head down to Sydney and come across to Singapore. So I like went out and bought a fancy dress and was convinced he was going to 
proposed to me. <laughs> I got to Sydney Airport and he rang me. He's like, are you on your way to Singapore? I'm like, what? Uh, it turns out he was actually really intoxicated and it was like a very expensive booty call. <laughs> so did you make it to Singapore? I did make it to Singapore and I was very concerned that I was only there for 20 hours and they would think I was a drug mule. So I was like making friends with all the air hostesses so that they wouldn't think that it was dodgy. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Love it. Spontaneous, mm. drunken communication and <laughs> no engagement. Wow. No engagement. And I flew back, um, landed at 8 a.m. on the Monday and started a brand new job on the back of no sleep for a whole weekend. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm. And a couple of kids. Yes, Jen, two kids. Two kids. How old are the kids? Uh, Frankie, uh, my girl, is five and Emerson, my boy, is 10. And nice. Beautiful. Hmm. Um, and you're a nutritionist, as we mentioned from the start. Um, talk us through that process. How did you get interested in obviously food and nutrition and and then why did you choose to study that and go down that route? Yeah, sure. So when I fell pregnant with my son, um, was probably the time in my life where I wanted to take the most care of myself and started to get super interested in nutrition. Um, and that sort of brought on me then signing up for, um, my, course that I did. Um, So it was not supposed to take me seven years, but because I studied and raised two children and um, was a stay-at-home mom, it took me a lot longer than anticipated, but it was awesome and definitely is my passion and and what I was supposed to do. So I persevered over that time and got through it all. (laughs) And just to clarify, a lot of people get confused between nutritionists and dietitians. Do you just want to just clarify that for the audience? Um, yeah, for sure. So a dietitian is always university qualified. A nutritionist didn't have to be um, university qualified. They do now. Um, I scraped through as one of the last people doing the advanced diploma, so I didn't have to attend university um, to do that qualification. But now, yeah, everything's through uni. Um, dietitians generally are employed in hospitals and do more of that clinical work. Um, nutritionists generally work in private practice, which is what I do. Yeah, awesome. So obviously, Janos, I'm going to rewind a bit and then use some of my own personal knowledge that I know from being a friend. Um, you know, you said you just like have a passion in food and love food, but I also know you have quite a interesting and awesome story of why or how you got so into food and now why you have the um, vision and um, such a holistic approach I guess to nutrition do you want to share a little bit about kind of what went on yeah before you had Emmy yeah yeah definitely so um I guess one of the things that I specialize in and take a really keen interest in is working with people with eating disorders. Quite often people who do that type of work have a personal history with eating disorders, which is myself included. Um, So it was a perfect storm moving to Australia when I was 14, um, having perfectionistic tendencies and being a young girl because pretty much every young girl has body image kind of issue stuff going on. Um, So it kind of just escalated and became this situation where I used food or not eating food as a method of control for an environment that felt a little bit chaotic. Um, So that kind of was undiagnosed and just 
the way life was for many years. And then once I did my studies, I realized that a lot of the experiences I was having around food was actually um, something that could be diagnosed. So um, I did a lot of work on myself and I've attended a lot of extra training outside of my studies to be able to do the work that I do. Um, a lot of work with eating disorders is counselling work to kind of unpack all of the messages that we're bombarded with, um, with social media and um, just well-meaning aunties and uncles and diet culture in general. So yeah, it's been a pretty massive journey, but I'm out the other side and definitely feeling balanced and healthy. It's a massive thing we see in the gym all the time. Um, obviously, most people come into the gym to lose weight to feel better. Um, but obviously, having the expert and the professional knowledge in that field is like people have an emotional attachment to something, you know, and it's and people only really know how to measure themselves off the scales. Um, but what I'm getting at is, you know, emotional eating is a massive thing. And I think, you know, Jan and Dem have, you know, the female is more of an, a females are probably more emotional eaters than guys are. Um, you know, I want to touch on that emotional eating. Don't you eat ice cream every night, Cam? Are you crying at home? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't, Dem. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it is something different you know big but we had this discussion just yesterday with the mate it's like okay well guys will text each other or catch up and have a beer and we'll talk about sport we'll talk about what we're kind of doing whereas the girls will catch up and talk about their emotions they'll talk about what they're going through i think females are so much more in tune with their emotional size where guys aren't and that's why i want to come into this you know this emotional eating and a lot of people can you know, get disappointed in their own physique or whatever side of things because they let themselves down emotionally and also their eating side of things. So do you want to touch on that? It's a long-winded question to where I want to go to, but I think it's so prevalent and I think everyone listening would really get something out of that in regards to the emotional eating side. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that emotional eating is actually a really clever way that we can self-soothe ourselves. Um, unfortunately, because of a lot of the messages that we receive, um, we should only eat to serve a purpose of um, fueling our body. However, I would be more inclined to suggest that choosing some ice cream or chocolate or chips or whatever your, your favorite flavor is versus self-harm or loneliness or... Um, a situation where you might take um, drugs or use alcohol to numb yourself is actually a really, really good self-soothing method. Um, and what would be in a clinical setting, what I would be looking at is working out um, why you soothe yourself that way, what triggers it, is it an up emotion or a down or is it both, um, and work with the individual to understand their emotions um, and not change the self-soothing mechanism um, as a primary function because that requires willpower and willpower is going to run out at some stage and then you're going to have that feeling of you've let yourself down. Um, but versus understanding yourself and then understanding, okay, I'm going to make this decision to have X, Y, Z and put it in my body and, and I'm doing that because I'm feeling X, Y, Z. Um, generally what will happen is once people are really aware of what goes on for themselves internally, they can make choices for themselves that are more meaningful. Um, but it's a journey and it takes time and I would suggest that have a lot of self-compassion and love for yourself and if you do make decisions that you know aren't for your betterment that 
that's a part of being a human and yeah we're all we're all in this together I do eat ice cream because it makes me happy <laughs> Demi I support that decision <laughs> and, and that's the thing I I think we see it you know now now and again that someone will you know train really hard for say two weeks or three weeks and you know they might first week drop one kilo and then you know week two and three they won't lose anything and then they're emotionally attached to what it says on the scales not to one how they're feeling not to two you know their body shape because they could be building lean muscle um and then they'll go and say you know all that stuff at all that hard work over the last you know two to three weeks was wasted and they'll then emotionally eat and they're training over those three weeks and they fall off training and that kind of cycle, you know, starts, which is a, a, a downward spiral because they're doing all the good work and then it kind of didn't come out of that. So, Jen, what would you, you know, if you could speak to that in regards to, you know, the, the, the shorter-term fixes but also being in touch with yourself and how you can understand, you know, if you eat ice cream at nighttime makes you feel good, that's cool. But, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z that, you know, outside of that, so I probably deserve this ice cream. Yeah, sure. Um. So a lot of the work that um, I do is to work around intuitive practices as well as mindfulness and that definitely would be supportive of um, movement because movement is important. There's serotonin and dopamine responses in the body that are going to make you feel good and bringing your attention to the way you feel when you do something um, is going to definitely be more motivating than watching the scale and then, yeah, if you plateau or if you put weight back on or gain muscle that then increases your weight and makes you feel bad about yourself it's definitely a focus to to work on the emotional side of of exercise and how that makes you feel and again if somebody then is eating ice cream rather than consider it to be a reward for a type of behavior I would explore the idea that ice cream is just a food that's a part of of someone's diet and that they're choosing to eat it because it makes them feel good and that they don't actually need to then have a compensation behavior um, for that. I think that then you can get into a more intuitive, balanced kind of approach to everything, which means you exercise because of how it feels, you eat the foods you eat because of how it makes you feel. Um, And people kind of question this initially and like, but I'm just going to eat ice cream, breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I would challenge that and say, we'll do that for a couple of days and see how that feels because I'm pretty sure that after the initial rush of excitement that your nutritionist has said, have breakfast, lunch and dinner, ice cream, um, you're going to go, that actually makes me feel terrible and I'm really craving for whatever else it is. Um, and again, then you're working with the the natural rhythms of the body and what makes you feel good. Um rather than being motivated by the way you look or a number on the scale. It's definitely a process. It takes a while to drop out of that for sure. And in summary, Jen, still on that is how would you summarize your view on nutrition and and that for the the audience out there? Because, you know, you see with social media and how accessible it all is today, it can be paleo, it can be keto, it can be vegan, it can be plant-based, it can be you know, this, that, that, and, you know, we have it, you know, we see it all because it comes through the gym Uh, and then people saying, look, you know, I I love, you know, I've gone vegan, I've never felt, you know, any better. I've gone keto, I've never felt any better. Um, And what would you say when obviously you've got such a diverse range in your clients, you know, how would you say you look at your view on, on nutrition and? I would say that if you can remove the label 
um, and then just get back to what it is that is making you feel good, that that's the focus. So um, I don't promote any one style of eating. Um, I've spent a lot of my time um, vegetarian. I obviously spent a lot of my time battling with an eating disorder. I now have got to a place where, and I, when I first started these studies, I definitely went through a period of time where I was like, oh, superfoods and clean eating and lean this. And, you know, I tried all the different diets because that was a part of the exploration of, of getting to where I am now. Um, and so I know that sometimes it feels safe for people to say I eat a certain way and I'm going to put boundaries and restrictions around it and call it keto or call it paleo or call it vegan or whatever it is. Um, if that's truly what makes your body feel good, then go for it. Um, I have um, clients who are vegan, um, but every now and again, they need eggs that makes them feel good or they'll have a bit of chicken or a bit of fish. And so we kind of move away from the labeling of a particular meal, one size fits all approach and just make it really about the cam diet or the gen diet or the demi diet, because we all have different needs, even from day to day. Um, and I think you're far better to nourish yourself if you can listen to that um, and understand what your body needs rather than follow a particular strict set of rules. Yeah, and I think I have my own set of rules because I'm always, I try and be in tune with how I feel. So if I eat something and then it's how does that make me feel? And I, and I know, you know, I really enjoy pasta, but after having pasta, I don't feel great at all. Um, so, you know, I might only have pasta once a month, but I enjoy that one time, but I know I'm not going to feel great. And I think it's probably a, a good thing for people to, to realize is, you know, how do I feel after I eat? Because, you know, I used to have heaps of wheat bix and then, you know, with milk and, and I don't really have much milk anymore. I don't have any milk in my coffee. I have a black coffee, but you know, I went back and I had like five wheat bix with a banana on it and a whole heap of milk. And it tasted great, but I absolutely I felt like crap for I reckon two to three hours after it. And it just I was like, well, my body doesn't respond well to that. And you know, I didn't get any energy out of it. I was hungry straight away. As soon as I stopped, you know, feeling yuck, I was hungry again. Um, and I think that's how people can maybe take a look at the food that they're having. You know, do I enjoy hot chips? Yes, I do. Uh, but I enjoy a burger, but I also enjoy eating, you know a lot of foods and all different foods uh, and, you know, by cutting out a lot of sugar, I find that's been the best for me. Yeah, sure. And, I mean, what you're describing to me does sound intuitive. It sounds like you're somebody who is taking note of what feels right for your body and you're following that but you're not saying, well, I can't have X, Y, Z, um, which is, in, from my perspective, really healthy and you're not saying but then anyone else can't have pasta because it's not right for me, it's not right for you. It, it just that's perfect and that's definitely um, the type of approach I would suggest to anybody who wanted to start a new lifestyle change is we'll assess what what you're doing, what makes you feel good, continue with that um, and maybe you need to be honest with yourself that you are sabotaging yourself in some ways or you've got hang-ups in some ways and that's kind of where that counselling work comes in with me where we figure out what actually is going on below the surface um, and, and find balance and what balance might be for that individual. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the body's an amazing creature and there's so much that goes on and, you know, a lot of people can't hit their goals because they've got some sort of roadblocks and it's not really to do with either their their movement or their exercise or their nutrition. That could be all, you know, literally an 80 to 90% on point. 
you know, they could maybe slightly improve it, but it's the other areas of their life. It could be, you know, their sleeping patterns or their external stresses being work or family stresses and things like that that really, you know, limit them and they're the roadblock. If we can kind of fix those, it might be their their own emotional or mental state where, you know, maybe starting meditation might ease the mind so they're not worrying so much about that when you worry you know, the, the cortisol and the stress levels go through the roof. And when that happens, you know, you hold on to some fat. And, you know, people get frustrated with this, but it's it's, it's got to be a, a holistic view. It's got to be a whole view on it. And, you know, you give yourself a score of, you know, your movement, your nutrition, uh, you know, your, your own peace of mind. So how are you, you know, in, in your own head? You know, how's your sleeping patterns? How's your hydration? Because people feel amazing as soon as they get hydrated. You know, have two liters of water before lunchtime. And it's amazing how they actually feel. Absolutely. And definitely what you're saying um, is what happens in in a clinical basis where people will come to me and go, man, I thought I was coming here to get a meal plan. But really, yeah, I'm assessing all of those things and the repercussions on all of the body systems and how your sleep affects them and and then explain it in a way that makes sense to people. Because I think if you get it um, and how it's changing your biochem and how it's affecting your body, then you become more empowered to make those choices um, to kind of become a, a healthier version of yourself or, or feel more empowered and in control of, of your faculties, so to speak. Yeah, and Jen, I just want to touch on that when you you know you talk about meal plans. Uh, I know if we have discussed it in the gym and everyone listening, you can follow our socials uh, as well and I mean, three times a week, you're going to be posting, you know, recipes yep. directly from your resources, directly from the software that you work with. Yeah. Um, super clean, super healthy, super easy. Super uh, tasty. Super tasty, uh, which is the most important thing. It's got to be easy, convenient, and tasty. Uh, I think that's a prerequisite for that. So, guys, stay tuned. Also, once a month, we're going to be uh, publishing uh, a little recipe book. Um, so you guys will be able to download that directly from us. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll be posting that up there. So stay tuned for those. But every week we were having, you know, recipes uh, coming out for you guys. And also uh, we've got the workout videos too. Jen, talking working out, um, I know you, you've been training with, with Demi for a while now. Yes, uh, indeed. You, you started a new running career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to run us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, movement didn't come easy for me, especially coming from a very um, calorie deficit body. I wasn't able to do exercise for quite a long time. So um, once I became nourished and then had the urge and the desire to, to exercise, um, I might just share the story of how I met you guys, actually, because it's kind of cool. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was going to jump in and say that, but yeah, you, you tell your story of how we actually met and how you became a part of it. Um, I was going for a, a wee little jog around East Maitland. Um, I live in East Maitland and um, these athletes came zoom, 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 whizzing past me and um, I just hear this voice call out, you can join us if you want. Um, so, you know, one for adventure. I was like, all right. So I'm trying to keep up with these ridiculous seven-foot athletes that were <laughs> sprinting the streets. So these athletes were doing uh, on <laughs> Tuesdays, uh, the cardio class uh, used to be more running Pacific class. So Demi was taking it. I was actually a participant in this class. And then, yeah, we were running around the, the streets of East Maitland doing some, I think, effort repeats or something like that. Mm. And I honestly, I just yelled out and then I honestly didn't think it was like a – a one in 10 or one in a hundred chance that someone would come and jump in on the session. I said, you know, you can join us. And, and Jen did. And that's how it, you know, that's how yeah. it all started. 
Yeah, so I was running with them and um, was definitely the least fit of the group. Um, and then it was, we, I sort of had a wee chat to Cam and he said, oh, you know, who are you? And I said, I'm a nutritionist. Uh, my name's Jen. And then it was probably a month or so later, I got an email in my inbox from a Cameron Russell saying, would you like to do some work with my gym? So at that point, I didn't actually know Cam had a gym. I didn't know these people were from a gym. Um, but I came down and met the guys and started to do some nutritional work for you guys um, and then got a membership and then Demi started training me. Um, and I was doing a lot of kind of mixed cardio weight-based exercise and then decided that I wanted to set a challenge. So I asked Demi if she would train me for a half marathon. Um, and I'm not a naturally fit person. I'm not naturally athletic. Um, so it was definitely a, a big challenge. And I went from running three Ks to running 21 in 10 weeks and yeah, did it. Um, and was super <laughs> proud of myself and <laughs> had a near death experience <laughs> from the whole thing. So no, it was brilliant. And I still enjoy running and want to continue with that now. So it's a shame Demi's not here at the moment, but um, she's just out helping someone. But I want to touch on the race, right? So you train for 12 weeks or so um, preparing for the race and and it's massive kudos, I think, for anyone who jumps into a challenge, if it's to go into a park run for the first time, if it's to do a triathlon, if it's to do a half you know, marathon, something that scares you but going through the process is more important than the actual outcome. And... Jen, I want you to take you through because I think the the emotions and the ups and downs of the journey that come along with it are more important than the success of finishing it because 100%. it wasn't how you envisioned it to go. Uh, it wasn't nope. the result that you wanted. And, and Dan touched on it really well with her ultra 100K race. You know, she went through the motions feeling really good, went through the process and she didn't, she didn't get there. She got 80Ks in and, and couldn't do any more. Uh, you know, she was bummed about that, but she learned a lot and she's, you know, doing it again this year in May. Yeah. Uh, so take people through the race day. Uh, obviously, the goal was to enter it and, and, and complete the race, which you did. Yeah. Well, in fact, the goal for me was to just turn up to the training each week. That was my goal. I didn't really know if I was going to be able to do it and I didn't sign up for the race until the last minute. And I just want to pause it there is I think it's super important to enjoy the process and not be attached to the outcome. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think if people had more of that mindset when coming to the gym, or you know, starting a new eating, you know, absolutely eating way is enjoy the process of trying different foods, you know, and disassociate the outcome that might come along with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, I, yeah, I did that. I, I sort of committed that to myself and to Demi, and I felt a responsibility to her. She put so much effort into working at my training program. There was no way I was going to let her ride it and then not do it. So. Um, yeah, I showed up. I think I missed one run the whole time. Um, and she was very gracious and said that that was normal and it was okay. Um, and then on the day, um, the warning that she gave me at the start was do not run too fast at the beginning. So I didn't intend to, but I did, um, run a lot faster than what I anticipated. And, um, I hadn't really been using the gels or I'd sort of had them every now and again, but I, I had one and it, gave me the mad clags and I just had such a dry mouth that I sculled a glass of water and then the repercussions of that was an instant vomit 
and then I vomited every two kilometres for the remainder. I think I passed out at about 16 k's. I had a woman pull me up and say, keep going, you're all right. And uh, I just remember I kept saying to myself, if you finish, I will never make you run again, but you cannot stop. So uh, I dragged myself over the the finish line in uh, last place. <laughs> but I finished. I did it. <laughs> but you still got the medal? Yeah, I still or, got the medal. Or was yeah. everyone packed up and gone home? And you still Most of it? them were packed up, but there was, uh, yeah, the last person there to give me the medal. <laughs> yeah, nice. And I think what at what stage did you lose, did you take the gel? Are we talking 6Ks in, 7Ks in, half point, halfway point? Uh, halfway. Yeah, about halfway. So, so that, from yeah. 10 to 21, I was being violently unwell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I just want to pause there and say, you know, whatever you do in training, it's probably the number one rule. Whatever you do in training, you, you take into the race. If you haven't done it in training, don't do it in the race. So if you haven't taken a gel, if anyone wants to go and run a half marathon, don't take the gel for the first time in the race. You should actually go and mm. try a few gels because it can upset your stomach. Mm. It's a lot of sugar and carbohydrates pumping into the body. Um, yeah. And I think you learned that lesson. I think I did. <laughs> so that was 2019. Um, yes. 2020. Mm. Round two, maybe? Mm, yeah. I, I promised myself that I would never run ever again. And uh, it didn't take me long to go, yeah, but I'll just do it one more time. And this time I won't vomit. So now my goal is simply to finish without spewing. Nice. <laughs> and have you got this race uh, locked in the, the calendar or which one are you going to do? Um, I'm going to do the Lake Macquarie one again. So same one? Same one. Same one. Yeah, I'm going back to Master the Beast. Uh, the Redemption. Yeah. And when's that? Uh, August, which, um, yeah, winter run will be better for me so I don't overheat and hopefully I'm going to try and do the race without drinking water to see if I, that's the way to do it for me. Yeah. Doing all right. Awesome. Uh, let's pivot away from that. So now into obviously being the new gym manager, mm. um, a new role for you. It is, yes. What was the intrigue? Because uh, I know you came in, hit me up, said, Cam, mm. I know, you know, this is happening. I am interested if it's something, you know, you'd look mm. at. Um, yeah, so pivoting not away from nutrition because obviously the skills correspond and cross over quite a lot. Um, but yeah, stepping into more of a corporate role. Yeah, definitely. Well, my before kids, I worked in corporate positions. Um, I was always in PA or EA positions. And then I did 10 years at home with my kids, um, of which I spent seven of them studying and then three in um, private practice. But Anyone who's done a stint as a stay-at-home mom knows that it's kind of lonely, a lonely existence. Yeah, you've got your kids. Yeah, you're busy and you're constantly doing stuff. But um, it's not the same as being in a work environment and working with peers. Um, so I definitely craved for that. And um, I've never had a gym membership before. Snap was my first ever membership. And I found the community here just incredible, the people, wonderful. And <laughs> I just... Wanted to be a part of that, I guess. <laughs> and you think about that, you know, we talk about a lot is surrounding your, yourself with like-minded people uh, and it's what we do, you know, from the inside and this is why the podcast wanted to come out. I wanted to, to take you behind the scenes of, you know, our kind of what goes on behind, you know, in our own minds here and what we want to do and, and it's people first, you know. I've always said to all the staff here, it's all about, you know, the people putting people in good positions and letting them do their role um, because if it if we get good people, you know, here at staff, you know, we're going to attract the members as well. And I think being a part of, you know, something is important. Everyone wants to be a part of something. 
Um, so, you know, it's quite, you know, flattering for you to say that, Jen, that you wanted to be a part of this um, because of the people and surrounding self with a community. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I was doing a few casual shifts over the past, you know, maybe six to 12 months and um, beyond you guys, you're exactly right with, that you surround yourself, you know, that energy projects outward and the members are just as um, supportive and amazing as well. So it's it's been a really lovely start. Um, everyone's welcome me, even though everyone's crying, myself included, that Demi's moving on. I think... Um, yeah, she's got some left some big boots for me to step into. <laughs> and Dem just walked in the uh, in the door. Have you got anything to ask Jen about the new role? No, she's gone quiet. No, I don't think I do. What did you spend your first paycheck on? <laughs> it was very boring. <laughs> I uh, I saved most of it because we were renovating our house, um, and then the rest of it was just on bills and food and yeah sorry guys and oh actually no and I did buy some hiking boots because I'm going to Tassie next month so that was a pretty sick purchase hiking where where are you going (laughs) derby so my husband um Bryce does a lot of mountain bike riding and we're going with a couple of families so there's going to be a massive group of us and um while the boys are off riding, um, I'll be doing some hiking and hanging out with the kids and having lots of fun. So I'm taking annual leave in my first month of employment. <laughs> yeah, that didn't come up in the interview, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kim. <laughs> uh, Jen, so, you know, about you. So outside of uh, obviously food, nutrition uh, and training, uh, what other things do you enjoy to do? Uh, what do you do in new time? Because you mentioned, you know, being a stay-at-home mum uh, and it can get very lonely. So is there anything that you did while you're at home uh, by yourself to kind of keep that mind occupied? And I've had that experience with my sister. Um, it can be, you know, it can be lonely just to get out of the house as such a relief, you know. So is there anything that you did or anything you could suggest to other mums out there who, who maybe are at home um, to kind of have their own sort of me time or do something for them? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Um, I think my experience was um, maybe a little bit different because I only did a few years of school here. I I didn't have a big group of school friends. So then when I became pregnant, it was really only people I'd met through my work um, that I sort of had that um, friendship with. So I started to take Emerson, um, my son, to different kind of, um, I don't know what they're called, like kid educational things so we did Jimbaroo was was one of the main ones and at Jimbaroo I met um an amazing person who is now one of my closest friends and that for me was kind of pivotal I guess in then meeting people with kids the same age and yeah having that social connection they actually talk about this in terms of what I do in in clinic one of the um four different areas that I look at and assess when somebody walks in is their community um and community for me was lacking at that point so it's really important um loneliness um is to to us what smoking is to cancer it's just not good for our mental health um at all so I definitely would encourage any mums out there who are feeling lonely or feeling isolated to to go and join some kitty clubs and you know there's probably someone else there who is just doing it to meet someone and 
um, you might, you know, you never know who you might meet. Um, again, exercise in the gym was um, important as well as my kids got that little bit older because um, I got that awesome serotonin hit, which is amazing. <laughs> And I think that's important, you know, now being so connected on the internet, uh, obviously Facebook, there's so many kind of mums groups. Uh, I don't know if there's dad groups. I, I sure hope there is. But I know there's even um, things out there, obviously like book clubs and things like that, if it's not so much movement. Um, you know, I was away at the Tamworth Country Music Festival on the weekend and, you know, I ran into a friend uh, from home and I asked, you know, how do you know these people? So like four out of, you know, six of them all met at book club. I was like, you know, what's that all about? And it's like literally they just go and have wine and cheese and talk about the book they've read that month. That's awesome. Um, so I think, you know, and there's even uh, websites now, it's called Meetup, uh, where it's like you could you can pick your interest if it's books, if it's, you know, uh, skateboarding, if it's, you know, something like that, that, you know, could be even food. Uh, people can just go and meet up because I think loneliness, you know, especially in this mental health world uh, right now, we had a great podcast, the one before this one uh, with Joel and, and how – you know, we really at these days need to be in tune with one, you know, our own physical state of, of health, you know, and, and just as important is our own mental state of health too. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, if you are looking in, in there is loneliness is out there, there, there's, you know, there's certainly plenty of options and, you know, obviously the highs and lows of, of pregnancy, not that I've been there, but, you know, it can come and, and you can yeah. feel lonely because getting outside the house can be a challenge at times too. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Nice, Jen. So, if you could give advice back to, let's say, a 20-year-old Jen, what's one bit of advice you would give yourself of everything that you learned over the last 54 years? No, not 54 years. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Nice. <laughs> um, you, I know you're, you're an 80s model. I won't say which, which 80s, but you're in the 80s. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go back, you know, 20-year-old mm. Jen or even 19-year-old Jen, that, that, that year that you are yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give yourself that might help? Um, I would a hundred percent just say, trust the journey. Um, I mean, you spoke to this before, um, worried about the outcome. And I think it's really hard sometimes to trust the process, to know that where you're at is actually where you need to be. Um, it's easy to say it, you know, today I've just had a weekend where I, you know, got spoiled rotten and I've just got a new job. And of course everything feels shiny at the moment, but there's been times when it hasn't been shiny and, I would have loved to have been able to go back and go, it's all right, you know, one foot in front of the other, do today, do this minute, do right now and um, don't don't be too too concerned with the outcome. Just keep going because I think anybody who has experienced any type of hardship will know that it feels really, really intense in that moment and you can't imagine it ending. But um, it does. It does end. It does change. It does shift. You change and pivot and, um, yeah, I'd just encourage people to keep Keep swimming. Nice. Love it. Jen, obviously, uh, this was more about you, your story, your background. Uh, but in the coming episodes, we are going to do kind of nutrition specific uh, yeah, cool. episodes. As I said, you know, look out for the new recipes that are going to come in. Uh, we'll talk about probably different topics, especially, you know, questions that obviously that a lot of the members have. Um, yeah, for But sure. if people want to reach out to you for, you know, the nutrition, obviously, you're here at the gym. Uh, all the time, but you do um, see clients uh, in your clinic as well? Yep. Yep. So if people um, did want to get in touch, um, the business, my business is called Whole Living. Um, of course, you can reach out to me here at the gym at, at any time. Um, and then I'm on, on, on Facebook and Instagram and I have a website. So Whole Living, W-H-O-L-E Living. Um, yeah. Reach out if, if you're in need. Um, if you need support, 
um, definitely somebody that would be interested in helping. Awesome. Jen, welcome to the <laughs> Snap family. Uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you. And it's been an awesome podcast and many more to come. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Signing off.